Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 156 of the Pika Serenity Podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Emilson. And joining me, we have my co-host, Namalik. Hello. And this week, uh, there were so many interviews. I swear, (laughs) it it was like a couple a day, and we're not going to talk about all of them, but we are going to talk about a lot of them. Uh, yeah. Because interviews mean news and new tidbits, uh, insight into like the developer and designer philosophy, all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about interviews. Uh, there's also some relevant hot fixes for monks. So, yes, yeah, a couple of last minute changes like Blizzard likes to do, which we'll yes. probably see more of this week into next week, also, which will it'll be fun to to keep track of. Um, yeah, I guess before we get into that, how was, how was your, is this, was this your final raid week? Did you, I, I, yep. I know you were talking about it, but was this your final raid week before the new content and that one? Uh, we ended up deciding to just call it the last week. Next week, oh, nice. we are going to do just like a strat review with the team for mm-hmm. next year. And, um, that way we can kind of make sure everybody is, you know, reasonably familiar with the new bosses. Um, and, you know, like it's one of the perks of being a weekend team is that we can actually have the luxury of time on release week, like Tuesday raid uh, or Tuesday comes and raids happen and we just get to like go steal other people's kill VODs. Yeah, people prepping nine bosses in between Tuesday when that happens and Friday when we raid um, is a lot. So we're like pushing people to prep now and we're going to have a strat session on this coming Friday instead of raiding um, and go over everything, but like Sarkareth basically um, for heroic. And then the first like three or four bosses on mythic. Um, And then Sarkareth will just like steal kill bots, right? Yeah, we're not going yeah, we to talk about Sarkareth. But nice, nice, nice. Well, congrats on finish out 10.0. Yeah, we did yeah. it. We had a we had a sale Friday. Actually, our first mythic sale of the tier and our last mythic sale of the <laughs> tier. That um, is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, we we um we did our typical clear. We'll we're actually still raiding this week coming up. We'll raid on Tuesday if servers allow or Thursday. But just one day, and we'll do as much as we can, um, probably in about like two and a half, three hours, and then sort of collect quits. Whether whatever we yeah. kill, we kill, and that'll be it. Um, we'll go the full time. So, yeah, we had a, a solid clear this week. Um, we have a bunch, like, we've we've probably added, I think, like two or three people to the roster. So, um, yeah. we'll have them in this week coming up, and yeah, we'll see going in. I've we started, I started my prep at least on healer stuff, so um always the fun time of like looking at logs looking at ptr stuff um yeah trying, trying to figure, figure out what's, what what's going what's on important yeah what's important and what's not right and like what then like trying to remember did this boss change post testing like where we don't have logs yeah for it? So, i've been doing um, some white press stuff for work and um there's multiple bosses now that we're gonna have to go back and make adjustments to because they got changes like magmarax yeah. actually got some pretty significant changes this week um like it used to be that the mythic changes you could not fully remove the puddles 
Um, mm-hmm. That's no longer the case. You can fully remove the puddles now. They had added the mechanic where if you reach 20 stacks of the dot, it instantly killed you. Um, yep. Now that's 50 stacks of the dot. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Which, I mean, I'm not sure how you get there unless they <laughs> really reduce the number, the amount of damage you take per stack because like 50 stacks of the dot at the numbers it was for the mythic testing would like one shot you anyway. Yeah, any tech yeah, at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure what that's about. But that's yeah, and then like uh, Amalgamation Chamber I know got changes because I was looking at that this week to do prep for the, the strat session next week. And that boss, uh, the mythic version of it the heroic version is basically the same but the the mythic version of it got changed pretty significantly um Mm -hmm. as far as like the dot mechanic like there's no more so on uh, for like the like there's shadow and there's flame and on heroic when you go into phase two there's a shadow flame dot that replaces the phase one dot on mythic that dot no longer exists you still get the shadow and flame ones which means you have to like do clears in Mm -hmm. phase two I guess that's kind of the intention for Mythic is that you like have to do these Anduin style clears in phase two, you know, minus the raid wipe if any of the wrong color touch, but you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that, yeah, I can't wait to try and piece that together. So we, I started a little bit on like the, I think I'm done two, like the first two bosses. So yeah. And slowly getting into it. Um, trying to do it the rest of this week. So, um, but yeah, no, it's a, it was a clean raid week and yeah, I'm just excited for 10 one. We'll, see how we start this year so um, yeah but cool i guess before we get into all the interview stuff there's just a couple of things that happened this week just to sort of touch on quickly um first up i think is our our monthly they released the uh the may trading post rewards um and so they're terrible um but (laughs) people who care uh the main reward this this month is a pet a battle pet called pippin it looks kind of like a mechanical dog uh like a, a mecha dog um that's cool i guess i don't really like pets um i use like it's a mecha dog for the mecha gnome that you can now play because cross-faction guilds i'm gonna be a regular gnome like every normal well-adjusted person in the world okay (laughs) if you're gonna play a gnome you just play a normal gnome um Um, there's also like i know that's like the highlight item in the in the trading post this month but it's not the best item which is the skull belt Yes, the skull belt, very cool. Some of the, the transmog this month is actually pretty cool. So yeah, there's a there's a skull belt which looks really awesome. There's a it's white like a ram's head skull, yeah. For for those that are listening, it's a ram's head skull. It's got the horns. It it is like it's the uh, it's the the skull from the guy on the warlords of Draenor loading yes. screen. Yeah, exactly. His belt. Yeah, that yeah. Belt. <laughs> the spooky yeah. axe midget one. Oh, it's just. There's um, um, there's a couple like full transmogs too, so like uh, some leather armor, um, and then there's a Valinar one that has some some interesting uh, uh, horns going on it. We'll say. Um, although I will say like that the belt's good, but the cloaks are actually pretty good too. There's a, there's two or three cloak transmogs that are pretty awesome. Yeah, and then the overall reward or the bonus reward is a Savage Green Battle Turtle mount, uh, which means that I literally have to now complete it out mount i mean collect every mount ever it's okay how long did it take you to get a thousand coins this month uh i didn't 
How? <laughs> so you would, you would be you'd be surprised to, to hear that like I only log into this game between the hours of 8 p.m. Eastern Tuesday and you know at this point 10:30 p.m. Eastern Tuesday. Okay. Um, and so I don't I don't play that often. I'll say right now. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's right. been a struggle. Right. It's been a struggle. So. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I still haven't gone to pick up my thousand my like coins because I bought the stuff I wanted at the start of the month. But they, I did find out as well. Actually, they do go like if you leave them in the box, you can just go pick them up later. Uh, like it doesn't matter if you cross another month because I went and I picked up the transmog oh, okay. from last month. This okay. month. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, because I don't think I've picked them up either. Because you have to go to or- Orgrimmar for that, right? Yeah, to go to Orgrimmar. Yeah, as long as you earn them, they're just like sitting there in the chest. They, they gotcha. don't like expire or go away. Um, so, yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Um, but yeah, trading post items are cool. I mean, like I think we've talked about this system a ton. I really like it. I don't engage with it, but I think it's a cool new system for people to collect stuff, which is always awesome. Um, the other thing that came out this week is, of course, Raider.io's seasonal recap. So as they've been doing for the past probably, I don't know, four or five seasons, you can go to Raider.io and create your own seasonal recap. Sort of shows you all the different bosses you've killed, um, your progression from an item level perspective, progression from an RR Raider, or sorry, a Mythic Plus score perspective, um, then who you've done the most dungeons with and all that fun stuff. Um, my graph is hilarious because the first three <laughs> weeks is like a just a forward thing to about 2,400 score, and then it's yep. flat the rest of the time. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah. Um, I will say, like, my guild this season, super into getting portals. Um, basically, yeah. we're doing a bunch of portal runs for this, but I, yeah. Don't I actually, them, so. so my, uh, I think my monk is still marked as my main, and my main, and that's, like, not the right character, so. I have not really looked at this this season. Uh, I don't know. People were posting the 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 funny funny thing unquote, funny thing this season is um, if you look at our Razageth, right? The mythic mm-hmm. Razageth time is just yeah. like like I I brought this up when we were doing our like retro for the tier. We spent more time on it than every other boss combined. Yeah, but it's just different seeing it in graph form where you. You have every other boss, and then there's Razageth. It's there at the end of it that is literally just like a bigger bar than every other bar added together. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. That was funny too. The same. I mean, the same thing for us would. I, they think they do the same bar with pulls too. So you can see like your mythic pulls to first kill, and it's yeah. exact same way where it's like tiny, 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 massive bar at the end. So yes. Um, which I mean, I, I think I'm fine with that. I think I'm fine with that. So. Um. But yeah, so you can get your recap um, if you're into that. It's cool. Also shows you who you've done the most most uh, keys with. Funny enough, mine is like one of my friends and then four random people who I don't know. So I pug a lot, I will say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but cool. So that is uh, the Radio recap. Um, we also, so a couple like speculative or like future things for these final two uh, little things that happened last week. First up is there was a push to the encrypted vendor build. An update, sorry, to the encrypted vendor build. That one to 10.1.5, um, which basically means that we will, you know, PTR is is already in the works for 10.1.5. Um, so we should see that shortly, we'll say, or soon. I know that 10.0.5 was like, I feel like just weeks after like launch, like PTR came up for, for that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw even by the end of May, 10.1.5 hit the PTR um, yeah. for testing. So, um, 
Blizzard is fast and furious moving through these updates, which is which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's going to be interesting. I wonder if we're going to see more like talent tree reworks in ten one five. Like we saw some in ten oh five. That's and then in ten oh seven, and that's kind of like where the paladin stuff came from. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, we even, I mean, Mistweaver even got a, a brand new set of talents. Like, they got rid of, um, what's the Necrolord? Bone Dust Brew. And gave us Shaylin's Gift, which was a huge yeah. change, right? Right. Um, so, it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they put in the 1015 stuff for classes, um, along with the other content they have planned. Um, and the only final sort of speculative or future story is Blizzard put out uh, sort of their own produce. They're calling it a WoWcast. They call it Episode 1. Maybe this is something that they'll continue to do, but they basically, it's an internal produced interview with two of the developers um in this case my boy morgan was on it shout out love morgan um and then maria hamilton who's more of a story person i believe um there's a lot of the narrative and a couple of just like story things that they dropped in passing number one we're definitely gonna see galacron in some form which if you i mean i don't know how much you care about the lore here but galacron of course is like the big bad primordial that the other dragon aspects had to you know yeah, we're uh, gonna improve. we're gonna need a uh, a lore corner on that one at some point. Oh God, okay. I will I will get my lore out, and if Gal- maybe maybe we'll do that next week a little yeah. bit. We'll, we'll start talking about Galakron. Um, they talk a little bit about Galakron. They talk a little bit about Eridicron, Eridicron, who's the big dude who's now leading the the little sister and brother team of of trying to mess up the world. His ultimate plan. They talk a little bit about that. And they did talk about um, continuing the story for a different Dragonflight. So we've gotten a little bit of like push forward with the Bronze Dragonflight so far. Green Dragonflight story, of course, is going to continue. Um, there's speculation of the World Tree coming to the Dragon Isles um, to replace Teldrassil. So that'll be people not super happy about that. We'll say it's a little little weird. We'll say um, to be that far away from you know Hygel and like um, that stuff. But um, there's that, and then um, yeah, there's there's additional big sort of big story coming of course but um yeah we'll, we'll investigate a new dragon fight which i mean the only one that's left i think is maybe the reds um we've done green we've done bronze black dragon fight will be this one because this is going down the Netharian path um so yeah it's blue and green or, i'm sorry blue and red which i think are the remaining ones so um but yeah a nice little and if you watch the whole interview it's interesting um but of course it's sort of blizzard produced so it's a little bit more KG, KG, and like more PRE, we'll say less yeah. like. Yeah, Morgan seems a little bit more stiff in this one, but um, <laughs> still, still, still a huge fan. Still a huge fan. I'd be super embarrassed if Morgan Day ever listens to this and like fan girl like, ever hear about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have one thing for upcoming hot fixes for ten point one. There's not. This is not part of the main ten point one patch notes. Um, I guess those are kind of finalized. Uh, and then they came out and said, there's going to be day one hotfixes. A day one patch for a day one patch. I mean, it's yep. not day one, but, but the day one patch for a patch, which is interesting. Um, and uh, among the other sets, there's a bunch of changes to like tier sets and some nerfs, like Fire Mage got nerfed. Um, but there's also Windwalker buffs. Single target Windwalker buffs. Uh, Tiger Palm, Rising Sun Kick, Blackout Kick. Uh, damage increased. And uh, the math people... Uh, numbers I saw was like 2.8% damage increase on single target. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it's a, it's a little bump. Um, 
but it is targeted at single target. So the idea is not to dramatically increase their AoE. And as far as I know, that is what's happened. Like they've got the AoE blackout kick just like Brewmaster and um and Mistweaver do. So that is technically AoE, but uh Tiger Palm and Rising Sun Kick got the lion's share of the buff and also are pure single target. Yep. Yeah. Um which I feel like I not playing Windwalker much, I feel like this is the theme of every expansion is they just buff single target the entire expansion. Like at a certain point, like Blizzard just needs to take a look at like why do we do the same buffs over and over again? Like it does this make sense? So yeah, um, I mean, not to get too deep into the weeds on it, a lot of it I feel like stems from Fists of Fury, which is like my least favorite monk ability, and also is just AOE, yeah, but also single target, and so it gets like it catches nerfs because of. AoE or like they can't tune it up as much as they want because of AoE and it would feel weird to have it be like like 90% of the damage is done to the single target because then it's not really AoE anymore, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And so it just like feels like they put everything into that and then it's like AoE is fine. And then everything else is just bad. Um yeah. and it's not even like actually the the, the past couple of expansions that Woodwalker AoE has primarily come from Fist of Fury. Like, Fist of Fury is good, but they've got the Bone Dust Brew stuff with, uh, with, um, Spinning Crane Kick. Gotcha. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes with them. But yeah, slight buffs. And this, I think, as we get into it, this is mentioned in multiple interviews. This is not the only round of hot fixes we'll see. So we'll definitely see some stuff next week after they get a little bit of data on how 10.1, early 10.1 goes. And then we'll probably see even more, excuse me, um, you know, going through heroic week or at least entering into that heroic mythic raid launch. We probably won't see anything the first two weeks of the raid. And then we'll start to see more coming out of that. Once race forward first and all that stuff is done. Yeah. Um, we'll probably see some more class changes at that point. So. Yep. Um. So cool. Um, so yeah, so other than that, patch notes are out there. Um, there was nothing hotfix. There's no real hotfixes for Mistweaver that I remember that are super important. Um, and yeah, I don't think you said there's nothing really big. We've covered all the big ones for Mistweaver at least. Nothing really big for Brewmaster. So Yeah, I mean, the only Brewmaster related thing is the nerf protection paladin. Um, but it's not like a huge <laughs> nerf, so. Fair, Fair enough. Um well, cool. So now I think there was, uh, as a part of the interviews, there's a bunch of Mythic Plus information that came out came out of those. So I want to spend a little bit of time going through sort of a, a quick hit on some key Mythic Plus stuff that is uh, that was dropped in these interviews. So the first one is they actually Blizzard actually came out and was uh, uh, came out with uh, what is happening to keys when you are moving from the first week of 10.1 into the second week of 10.1, um, and so we're basically into the first week of season two essentially. Um, and so that is that keys are going to drop by 10 levels, meaning if you complete a 17 in time this or sorry, this week coming up. So starting the next reset, um, you will, that key level will drop by 10. So you'll get a plus seven key in your vault. Um, which means generally speaking, if you're trying to min max, you want to complete a 26 coming up this week <laughs> so that yeah. you have a 16 in your vault for next week. At you least actually, you can get some currency. You, you would want to get a 27 so that because okay i actually 
did a thing for our, oh, our team okay. as part of prep for next season. It's like, you know, we set expectations for what we want people to do. Seven teams, you switch from the champion item upgrade track, which caps at 337, to the oh, hero okay. one that caps at 441. So it's only like four eye levels different, but that's like the point where you can upgrade things as high as you can from Mythic Plus. Um, I forgot about that so, convoluted system. So, I mean, the moral of the story is do 17s, not 16s. Um, if you want to be really efficient, you do 19s. If you can do 19s efficiently, because that just gives you more of the currency. So it takes fewer keys and you have to spend less on upgrading them because they start at a higher item level. But, um, 17 is like the, the point where you could upgrade things to max. Um, the, but yeah, it's good. Good luck getting it 27 done. Seven time this week. Yeah. Not a lot of people that can do that. Yeah, this is a massive drop. I mean, typically it was a four key level, I think. Four, yeah. Four or five was like the previous season. So, and um, I mean, I have, I don't know what to think about this. On the one hand, like the previous one could put you in a situation where it like mostly lined up with the changes, but then you would go and do the new dungeons. Or like the, mm-hmm. do the dungeons with the new seasonal effects, and like just like rip your keys, and it's right. like, you know, maybe it is correct for them for like a from a, a, a eliminating frustration kind of perspective to start people off lower, because if you if you are just coming in and crushing it, right, you right. can very rapidly make up that gap, right? It it's. It's going to take you two plus threes to get back to where it would have been with a, a minus four drop. And then it from there, like, you know, it, I mean, it's not it. So like if you do a 20, which is what I'll be doing, you do a 20, you time your 20, um, you then start the first week of season two with a 10 in your vault. Right. And like you do a couple keys to get that up to a 16, 17 range. And it's fine. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So I let, yeah, it basically just makes it so you're not like bricking keys right off the start. You're you're low right. enough where you, you can learn the mechanics and learn the new dungeons yeah. a little bit better. So Yeah. No, that's fair. I think I think that goes that kind of reasoning goes double for the way the season is structured now, where it's a whole new pool of dungeons and that's way more than like, you know, starting going from like prideful season into um season two of shadowlands was not the same or going from uh what's it called crap what's it uh the what was the we had the old hero fix and i'm blanking on the name of it going into the reaping yeah, like or no, it was the one before that, but like, infested. So you went like infested into reaping, and that was pretty easy because reaping was easy. But then you went reaping into the one after that with the stupid Ajara mobs. Oh and yeah, that was a very significant step up. Yeah, and then you ended with the like the portal, like the you know, the portal mobs or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So like, eh, it's like real, really not going to take very long to go back up to whatever level. Uh, because mm-hmm. of the whole like going up multiple at a time um yep. 
but yeah interesting yeah so um but yeah it's a it's a 10 item level drop so or sorry 10 key level drop not a level drop but 10 key level drop um for whatever you complete next week this week coming up um uh for the 10 dot the first week of 10.1 um and then season two will start the second week of 10.1 and uh and yeah you'll get a key key that's 10 item or 10 levels lower than what you completed in time the previous week so um but cool um so that's the that came out of one of the interviews um the other thing that uh was pushed uh last week was they've removed so this is specific to freehold um is they removed the captain event so the second encounter if you don't remember or an original freehold is um, you had to do one of three crew events to basically ally with one of the captains which removed that captain from the second boss encounter um, and then also removed their crew from the trash in that, that secondary area um, and so what happens now on current ptr is that you are automatically aligned to one of the captains regardless of what you do so you no longer have to complete those events um, the, the one we'll say change here is that while you're allied with one of the captains you are their crew does not also, also ally with you I mean, right. you now are left with larger trash pulls essentially through that second area more consistent trash pulls because it's always going to be the same thing um but you know they'll be larger in the second section of the dungeon as you clear to the to the second boss so one nice thing i mean of those three i feel like they weren't too big of a deal but like the one where you had to um, like do the canisters around the area was always annoying because you ended up pulling all that trash anyway. Um, or like the dog one too was kind of annoying. So yeah, um, this yeah. is like, so in BFA where the dungeon was just always active uh, mm -hmm. for the entire expansion, people just, you know, learned how to do these efficiently. Like you would go and you join a group and you would have a druid in it and the druid would just know how to do the dog one. Right. Yeah. Or you'd have a rogue, and the rogue would know how to do the dog one. And so you would do it very efficiently. Um, with this only being a season long, I feel like this is them saying, we don't want people to have to learn three different sets of RP for this, for this dungeon. Yeah, exactly. Um, the trash in the upper area basically didn't get pulled, except for what you needed to do whichever event there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in like the 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 like upper weekly key territory, uh, maybe they did it in like very high keys because of efficiency or whatever. But upper weekly key territory, you just like pulled what you needed for the event, and that's it. But some of this trash is down in the boss area too. Like uh, there's a couple of these trash packs in the boss area for the council of captains have actually got like. Uh, like you would only normally fight two thirds of the trash because the other third would be part of the captain's crew. And so you would only have ever fought it by accident <laughs> yeah. from failing to actually align with the captain, which I have definitely had happen before where we had somebody that like didn't click the, the mug or whatever to the drinking one. Oh, so yeah. annoying. So yeah, yeah definitely definitely had that happen where we would get down there and we'd like be pulling the direction i'm like wait a second there's extra trash here what are we doing yeah. and then you look at the bosses it's like wait a second they're all three active who didn't drink the who didn't drink exactly exactly yeah no that's i think that, that that's definitely part of it is just to yeah i think make sure people don't have to remember to do this and then to just sort of streamlines the dungeon slightly 
Um, and it's always, it'll always then be consistent, like trash wise. Right. Yeah. Um, which the yeah. bosses still rotate. You don't get to pick which one you ally and you never have had the ability to pick which one you ally with outside yeah. of like heroic. Uh, maybe I, I don't know, but mythic you've uh, never been able to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Oh, it seems okay. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to for this one. I actually really like Freehold as a dungeon, so um had a lot of fun in there. Um the other uh mythic plus change for this week is we're talking about affixes again. <laughs> like the fourth week in a row. Uh, but this week it's not entangling. Um we're gonna skip that one, but uh, Flitted and Incorporeal did get spawning changes once again. So I think we talked a little bit about this last week, where they essentially reduced the spawn rate um, of it. Uh, now there's been more changes, and essentially what they've done to Afflicted uh, and Incorporeal is their previous logic was uh, much like explosive, where uh, every mob you were in combat with had a chance to spawn the affix. And so if you pull a bunch of mobs, you have a large number of potentially these spawns. Explosive was like this too. Um, what they've done is they've changed the logic to spawn like Quaking's logic. So if you're not familiar with the way Quaking works, basically Quaking has a chance to spawn every 20 seconds, but not always every 20 seconds, meaning it could spawn on a 20-second cooldown or after the last time it's done on 40 seconds or on 60 seconds. Um, So it's semi-random. It would always spawn every at least once every 60 seconds, so you'd always get that 60-second one if it didn't spawn in the first two. but sort of there was a, an internal cooldown and it would always spawn in those 20 second intervals. Um, essentially, Blizzard has applied that same logic to Afflicted and to Incorporeal. And so for Afflicted, um, these are the mobs where you have to um, like dispel them. Um, they will spawn in a 30 second interval. So every 30 seconds, you will either get zero because it'll, it might skip, right. uh, one or two, basically. Um, so the idea now is that Afflicted will be every 30 seconds, you have a chance to spawn can skip it um, but it'll at least be on that sort of timer um there will definitely be a week or for this because it's it'll be pretty simple to to track that i actually um, i have a quaking one right now yeah they already modified and so honestly probably able to just copy like this this thing is from legion right it's yeah. not been changed um probably possible to just copy it change the timer change the like buff that it looks for to trigger and uh and do it like that yeah yeah, just find the right uh, spawn buff, basically, uh, and make it simple. Um, and then Incorporeal, same exact logic, except Incorporeal's on a 45-second cooldown, which this is the ones where you need to sort of stun or incapacitate the mob um, for it to, to despawn. And so the 45-second cooldown is really helpful, aligns better with a lot of uh, classes' um, hard CCs. So you'll be able to maybe have, if everybody uses their CC on the first one, not sort of screwed or sort of lacking CC for the next one that comes up. Right. Um, so 45 second cooldown is is good. Um, so um, yeah, so that is sort of the the the, uh, the updates to those two affixes, which I think generally is a good thing. Um, the whole the original spawn logic I think is like the idea of like pulling big and then getting a bunch of additional stuff to deal with, particularly like afflicted like incorporeal. I never liked. I didn't like that with explosive. And like yeah. adding anything like that is sort of is super and annoying. It, it um, always had problems. Like there were pulls in Underrot, if you remember, where you had a bunch of small mobs and Underrot's yeah. coming back. So you would have this again. You'd have a bunch of small mobs and like two big mobs and you'd just like get absolutely railed by explosives. 
Yep. Um, the blobs, uh, the like elemental blobs in Shrine of the Storms did this too. Like there's a just uh, tons and tons of examples of just like a bunch of small mobs triggering explosives and just like it's awful so yeah it's like the and there's nothing you could do because she couldn't split the pull so it was all that pull those those type of pulls were always going to be bad so even if you weren't trying to pull big through a dungeon and go quickly you still would run into issues with um with yeah just the the random nature of the spawns or the the spawns being um you know built upon the number of mobs you have in combat i mean you can go back to like waycrest manor too and a lot of those hallway pulls particularly on like what is it rock gut one boss on the right hand side like that whole hallway and hit that room that that boss was in was always an issue with stuff like that. So, yep. um, but cool. Yeah. So that's a good nerf, good change. We'll say not, maybe not nerf, but good change to the, to those abilities to put them on an ICD. So, um, so cool. Um, maybe one more thing before we get into some of the fun interview topics, uh, Blizzard did clarify, um, how spark of the shadow flame will be, uh, acquired. So Spark of the Shadow Flame is the new crafted or one of the crafting reagents that you need to craft the season two versions of your gear. It basically allows you to increase the overall item level of what you're crafting. Um, it allows you to sort of upgrade it to like, I don't know what the max is. The yeah, so this is, the, this is the equivalent of the Spark of Ingenuity. So this Correct. is the one like you have to have this uh, mm-hmm. in order to craft something at or craft one of the good items at um, season two item levels. Um nice. I don't actually. So I think you can still use Spark of Ingenuity. It's just capped at season one item levels. Correct. Yeah, you can't upgrade it beyond whatever the the max is now. I don't want to misquote myself, but yeah. So you need yeah. the Spark of the Shadow Flame to craft a season two version of it, and that allow you to upgrade it to the max season two item level. Yeah. Um, so it does require recrafting of things, but um, so Blizzard did clarify the way that um, these will work is that you will essentially get one Spark of the Shadow Flame every two weeks. Um, so basically each week you'll have something to do that gives you a, a a splintered spark and then you need two splintered sparks to make a full spark to then use for crafting. Um, they clarified every two weeks you will get one, but you will get a full spark the first week. Basically you'll get the Which quest, the typical quest. This next week, this coming yeah. week. Yeah, so the first week of 10.1, once it's launched, you'll be able to get a spark of Shadow Flame. Um, just because you'll get the typical quest to get a splintered one, and then in week one, there's a tutorial quest that gives you an extra splinter. Um, that means in week one, three, five, essentially odd weeks, you'll get a new spark to craft a new item um, on a set schedule. Um, and there's no more random drops after you get it. So this is literally every two Thank weeks. Fuck. You will get, yeah, yeah, a, My, a new spark. So. I, I know, like, there were two two types of uh, three types of people with regards to the bottled essence system. There are the people that flew around digging up all of the dirt in the Dragon Isles to try and get one. God. Successful or no, but they did it. Uh-huh. Um, then there's the people who didn't, broken down into two camps: people who got lucky and got them anyway, and people who did not get lucky and have seen zero or one. That is hilarious. It's like, I'm like, none of those were great. Like the, the, the people who were happier, the ones who didn't try and got lucky and got it, Uh which is like great. Um, but no, nobody else is happy with the, the bottled essence system. No, not at all. And like, yeah, even, even someone like me who like, I don't, I don't do a ton of mythic plus. So I, I use the crafting system 
a fair amount for like even my main. Um, I I ended up getting pretty lucky. <laughs> I'll say I never was without a spark, but there were definitely times where I'm like using my last spark to craft something to fill a hole, and then yeah, um, like needing one maybe for the next week, and luckily getting it. So I was definitely in that. Didn't farm them, but got lucky enough that I never was without. So. Yeah, one of the nice things about this is it uh, means that if you play multiple specs, you're not going to be in this situation where like you have high eye level gear for one spec, but then you like can't use like you can't get a mistweaver weapon or something. Like I I went we needed a healer for some keys, so I was going to play mistweaver because like yeah. I was the only one that actually had a healing spec of the five people <laughs> we had in the group, uh-huh. um, and. I didn't have any sparks left because I had used them all for, for brewmaster. And so I went and I crafted the non spark ones. Nice. So I'm running around with like three forty weapons that is as, awesome. as an, eye level like a four fifteen character. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, Nice. Yeah. And I think I, I know that there'll probably be questions too about this since we do get these next week, um, like what you should craft. Um, and so like, um, I think for Mistweaver, the general consensus is like a one-hander is sort of the best place to put your first spark um, just to get a weapon because um, that typically has the, the largest impact. And um, I think a lot of the weapons, there, there's number one, there's actually not a lot of Mythic Plus weapons available to Monk Mistweavers um, coming up. I think there's only like four total or five total i was talking to june about this and and um you know they were just they were like is this it like asking the question I'm like i think so um so mythic plus doesn't have a lot of options and then the raid stuff um you know i think there's there's of course like two or three there but it just depends on your progression so um i know for for miss weaver i think we're saying one-hander is like the best use of your first part so. yeah for brewmaster um not weapons uh well i guess it depends on how hard you are planning to go for the Krog Tusk weapon from Underrot. Gotcha. Because your best setup is probably just two of those. Um, two of those. There's Forge Storm as well, which is more single target, so that one's good. But like, basically there's two different cantrip weapons that are desirable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, not the cantrip two-handed weapon. It's a two-handed weapon. You don't want it. Um, but, so it's like if you're going really hard for those, you don't want to craft a weapon because then you're just like throwing away your spark. Um, but, you know, you might get unlucky and that is a good craft, especially because you know that you will be getting more sparks. So right. you can do the craft of a weapon. And if it takes you, you know, six weeks to actually see that second Krog Tusk uh, or what have you, then the weapon will be very good for that time period. So that's like, it's there's, I would not actually craft something next week unless you really, really need it. Like you're re rolling and you just have really out lot, really low item level pieces. Uh-huh. Um, I would wait, I would hold on to it um, and wait until you get uh, items from raid or from keys and then make a decision based on what you actually get to drop uh, because there is no worse feeling than like crafting an item and then immediately replacing it from a key yeah which i've had happen on alts like you go you, you know you need d 
decent eye level to get into a pug key. Um, and so I've made like crafted weapons and stuff on them. And you go in, like I did this on my mage. I made weapons. I went into my first key. Weapon drops. And it's just right. like, well, that spark's never. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's gone. That's, that's a dead spark. Yeah. Yeah, that's and I think I mean I would say too like that's that's really good advice just in general about crafting is like probably wait until after your raid week's done or even like your mythic plus push is done and sort of craft stuff late just to fill in holes for next week. Um, but at a certain point you want to use them for sure, so don't just sit on them for like two weeks and yeah, not craft yeah. anything. Definitely um, like use them, especially because you know you're getting more. Unlike the bottle essence system where you had like the five and it beyond that, good luck. Yeah. Um, because you know you're getting more, it's definitely worth just spending these. And uh, eventually you'll run out of stuff for your main spec, and then you can craft stuff for it off spec, and that's nice. What are those? <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I think now we can sort of start to jump into a couple of the interviews uh, that occurred. So there was a ton of interviews, a ton of group interviews actually this week, so much less one-on-ones, much more in terms of like, Groups of teams interviewing, uh, you know, a group of like one to two Blizzard developers. So um, we wanted, to, or I wanted to start with the uh, the Ian and Josh Augustine interview um, yeah. because I think that one had probably of this week the most interesting both questions and then like responses or really like behind the scenes action, like behind the scenes answers to what was happening. So um one of the big things that came out of this interview was um there was a question around design philosophy that was asked uh and basically you know the idea is that like with dragonflight there seems to be a general feeling of much more transparency and responsiveness right to players um particularly when it comes to feedback or just in general communication right um and i believe ian responded to this one basically number one was like yeah our old approach wasn't working um the idea that like we like we were like I think he 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 doesn't really say this, but it seemed like they like the people who are running WoW now held WoW in such reverence that they didn't want to change the formula, right? Like this is the way the game had been developed, and this is the approach that they had for you know, the last fifteen, you know, twenty years of the game being the game, and they were going to continue doing that because that's what made World of Warcraft World of Warcraft, right? And I think the what they realized and sort of I think what Dragonflight is the like sort of the coming of age tale we could say use that terminology is that that approach doesn't work with like today's game right like the idea of like it's always been this way so it must be this way um, I think needs to change and so like that was the big part of this answer um, and it wasn't just a hey we're gonna switch this it was I guess Ian says it's, it was much more of like looking at different portions of the game and seeing what changes make sense, seeing where they're seeing like the most like difficult feedback, right. Or the, the loudest right. feedback and then looking to see, to, to change those areas. So um, they talk a lot about that around like character investment, becoming more account wide investment, which is sort of like, I think a larger change. Right. Um, and then um, the idea of like being more transparent also allows the developers to be, able to make more mistakes and i guess maybe not mistakes is the wrong way to phrase it but to take more chances right to try things and because there's going to be there's an open feedback loop or there's an like an understanding that like if the community doesn't really like it blizzard will listen 
um, or vice versa, right? Like if the community really wants something, Blizzard will take into account or Blizzard can be transparent and say, hey, we tried this, we messed up, or you know, we'll, we'll do better next time. Yeah. Um, I think just overall helps the, the game. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that was sort of the gist of this answer was a lot of like, they felt a ton of reverence to the way the game had been sort of developed and designed for since its sort of creation and they didn't want to change that and kind of got to a boiling point of saying like, we either lose the game or we make the changes right we lose like the community that, that likes this game or that plays it and so um yeah it was a really good answer um and it was like i mean i think they i think it mirrors like exactly what i think you and i have talked about here of like dragonflight just seems like a a an expansion that that kind of almost reminds me a little bit of mop playing through that where like we had the ghost crawler type updates like dev water cooler yeah. like the feedback like the behind the scenes like hey we're making this change this is why or this is our thought process here um and yeah it kind of got lost after after greg left so um so yeah but now we're sort of seeing a resurgence of it, which is cool um so yeah so good answer yeah. i really liked it made sense and hopefully they continue tell me they're going to continue down this path so um yeah yeah jumping forward a little bit in the interview they asked they had a question about um reviving old dungeons like we had Temple of the Jade Serpent this uh, season that is pre-Mythic Plus. We had the Warlords Dungeons last season that were pre-Mythic Plus. And now we're getting Vortex Pinnacle, which is from, from uh, Cataclysm. And I think one of the interesting things about Vortex Pinnacle that they touch on here is that um, there is actually a lot of work needed to get Vortex Pinnacle to the point that it could be a Mythic Plus dungeon. So they mention uh, visual fidelity work, the mechanics. You know, we talked about this before. It's it's like white and gray wind mechanics on light backgrounds. Um, yeah. it, like noon in the day, so the whole thing's very bright. And so they had to make some changes to the mechanics to make them visible that like honestly didn't matter that much for the old heroic version of it because like the other thing is that there just actually aren't or weren't they they've updated the bosses weren't right. very many mechanics on the bosses um i did a vortex pinnacle run on ptr before they revamped the bosses and we just went through it, it was like so where were the mechanics yeah they like, like the, the last right? boss the last boss had mechanics like two or three mechanics it was like honestly mostly fine but the others, you just like do the boss, and it's like okay, like we just literally single targeted it down. Well, like no mechanics happened, at yeah. least compared to what is currently, you know, considered mechanics. Um, I remember wiping many times on that first boss in Vortex Pinnacle back in the day, in uh, you know hero heroic <laughs> LFGs. Yeah, because people didn't know how like the the tornado the mechanic worked, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. they would just like die. Yep. Yeah yeah that's funny yeah no yeah so that, that was a good yeah and that's sort of the idea too of like they also referenced in that same answer like shattered halls which if you played during bc was considered like the hardest dungeon they've ever put out like heroic shattered halls was like we're having to do that to get attuned to i think it was like to get attuned to serpent shrine or to, to tempest yeah. keep and we basically would set up where we'd have like we'd have to do like one our good players would do a run through get to like the end and then summon a bunch of our bad players or like less good players into the dungeon to like complete that part of the quest yeah um but it, and the only reason it was hard they were mentioned it was hard there is because there was large packs of mobs that are new right that's like a new idea um and so 
the actual mechanics weren't bad. It was just like a ton there of burst were, damage. Well, it was that, and it was uh, it was threat. It yeah, was threats, so yeah. protection warrior. Was in some ways, it's actually very funny looking at it from a like post TBC classic um, yeah. kind of era because obviously, like protection paladins existed in largely the state that they were in two point four in the beginning of TBC. Yeah, but. Uh, were not really used because the mentality was a protection warrior was the only tank. Yeah, and exactly. uh, protection warriors AOE threat was not good. So when you had a, a pack of like six seven enemies, the protection warrior like the the mechanic was AOE threat that you were struggling against, and like they they have stuff that you like kick and stuff like that, but it's not very much. Right. Um. It really was AOE threat, and that's just not a, like, it's still a frustration point these days, but it's not, like, a challenging mechanic that people have to play around. It's, like, sometimes you just randomly lose a DPS because they were too greedy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, that was sort of a yeah interesting question on, like, the, the dungeons. Um, they did ask, or we did it, there was a question asked about the new privating debuff information. Uh, flag. So we talked about this, I think, a little bit. So if people aren't aware, there's a new flag uh, in 10.1 that allows Blizzard to basically private specific auras. So they could either be buffs or debuffs. Uh, basically, what it means is that um, add-ons cannot interact with the aura, meaning they don't get any information about what the aura is. Um, and like, so I think you can put up a specific frame just to display the aura, but there's nothing you can do to like read information about what the R is, its duration, the name of it, all that yeah. sort of stuff that you you did. And they sort of talk a little bit about the fact that like, the reason they're doing this is really not to combat, uh, not to combat add-ons that sort of change visuals, but it's more in the computational stuff. So it's the idea of like, the, I think the best example in recent memory is like the jailer bombs in Phase One of like, yep. as soon as you get a debuff, you are basically given a specific like. A hole to jump into and like it happens instantaneously and so the only issue that you have is can you follow the weak core in time and make it to your hole right and so blizzard to like combat the fact that they can do that has to make changes to the way that debuff works like number one it's got to be fairly deadly because if you mess it up it, it's got to kill you right number two it's got to be quick meaning like the time to make a decision about where to go has to be like three to four seconds right right um versus like if you if they were able to private that aura you can probably do a couple of things. You can make it less deadly. Um, so you can account for people messing it up, but then also you can make it longer. I mean, you can give people more time to like speak or like talk about, okay, I'm going here, I'm going there. Yep. yep. Right. And that's sort of what they're trying to push with this idea of privating information is to sort of reduce the arms race of weak auras and other add-ons that essentially tell you exactly how to react to a debuff. Um, and then make it more of a mechanic where you have to communicate with your team, which I, it will be interesting to see. I hated with a passion Mechatork and the bombs in phase, like the intermission phase. Yeah. Because there was all, if, and everyone has this in their raid, but there's always the one person you never want to get that mechanic. Like, <laughs> and like, with, and without fail, that one person would get that mechanic. And it was always that, like, like in my, like, this is where it takes me out of playing the game. Cause like, as a healer, I generally rarely got, debuff right to do that like i think right. just based on the way that targeting worked healers weren't targeted too often by that but um 
But yeah, when that one person would be, I literally would stop playing the game and just start praying like to whatever deity that you believe in <laughs> uh, to be like, just please, can you just figure this, like just use your mi- like, microphone works, check, like call out the right symbol, please, you know, whatever Lord, yeah. Savior. Um, and so that that affected me, I think, a lot more. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I get the idea of it. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. That's like a very the, like localized thing for me. So Right. Like the Megatorque one is unique in that it, it wasn't, just that you know like a week or i couldn't solve it for you it was also that it required this it was forced communication right versus yeah. like the hypothetical nerfed jailer bomb um you wouldn't necessarily have to communicate you might start moving towards a hole see somebody else is going to beat you there and then change directions and go towards a different hole and that's like right. way different from the mechatorque thing um so as far as this stuff they they did say in the interview that they are being fairly conservative with it in avarice um but i'm really curious what that's gonna mean so it's not like it's every debuff buffer debuff um you are gonna see stuff like uh, we were talking before the podcast about amalgamation chamber or actually maybe this it was in the podcast yeah. um, but about the amalgamation chamber and the debuff changes on that um those will still show up those aren't private auras um, i actually don't know what the private auras are um yeah, I don't know Probably either. Find out. Yeah. Uh, but I, I suspect it's it's some stuff on Sarkareth, um, honestly, because I haven't run into it really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm I'm hopeful about this. I yeah, I mean, I think that if you look at the list of things that I really, really have not liked about rating over the past couple of expansions, almost every one involves some kind of like computational assignment weak aura. Like not yeah. all of them, but there's a very high number of them. Nobody yeah. likes those kind of weak auras. Um, it's not that we don't like weak auras, but we definitely don't like those ones. Uh, so anything to like get rid of those without harming the overall, like, you know, let us still use weak auras to show stuff about procs or stuff like that. Just right. don't, don't, you know, don't let us use it for for assigning these things. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that, and hopefully that's what they target. Um, and I think, I mean, to be honest, I think more raid communication is always good. Like, I think it's it makes it fun. I will say that, like the as a parallel, like I've been, <laughs> oh, excuse me, um, I've not been playing a lot of WoW lately, but I've been playing a ton of Destiny too. And it's interesting doing the raids in Destiny 2 in that there's a lot of call-outs that happen, right? Um, and so it's it would be it's a different me- mentality, right? Because Destiny 2 raids are six people, so it's a much smaller amount of people calling things right. out. But um, it does create like a different environment. Like um, as a person that we I just did a raid and like we had call-outs of like areas of the room that we were fighting the boss in, and it was like parking lot, Home Depot, and Apple Store. And it was just funny when people are like bosses at apple store like bombs are dropped at apple store i'm going to home depot it's like an interesting like <laughs> during the raid just like hearing like listen like just hearing it i thought it was funny so um, it'd be cool if like i would be fine with it in wow used in limited cases where like like that type of communication is needed um yeah. it just i will say it becomes somewhat annoying or maybe just personally annoying when like you know this mechanic is coming and there's just one person on the team that you're just like just please just don't give it to this person yeah. um 
But I think that um, changes if like with more experience, if it's more common things. Yeah. There's also, um, so moving on from that, there's uh, some questions about transmog and loot in general. One thing I wanted to bring out from this is um, we talked about the new transmog role option last week, but we weren't entirely sure what it was going to, like whether it was just a cosmetic change. Um, they confirmed in the interview it is not just cosmetic. Rolling for transmog on an item has higher precedence than rolling greed on an item. Yep. So but, that lower, means but lower than need. Lower than need. So need rolls beat transmog rolls. Transmog rolls beat greed rolls. Greed rolls obviously beat pass. And if everybody passes, anybody could just pick it up off the corpse. So um, that will make it slightly easier to acquire those transmog pieces um, in pugs and in LFR. Uh, so that will be nice. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the the other, I think the other thing that I thought was interesting was, um, I don't know if it was in this interview, but I know that Ian went into a little bit of detail on dragon riding. And basically the fact that like his point was like literally the week of 10.0, we realized we're never going to get rid of dragon riding. Like yeah. we just can't, like, yeah, we that just was can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. He, basically that was the point of like the amount of feedback that we receive and the amount of like, I think fun even the developers have had playing it, playing with it is like we... We will figure out a way to bring this forward. And that, of course, brings more challenges like that he talks about, which is like, now we have to talk about if we do want to keep this around, you know, and we think we do, what does that do to the like the old mount system, right? Right. Because dragon riding is a very specific thing within dragon flight. So you have like your dragon riding mounts and stuff like that. But there still is, you know, which is fine for something new, but you still have, you know, some people have 600 old mounts. They're like... Right, and, and not all of them fit neatly into the dragon riding model of exactly. um, like the abilities that you have for that. Um, you know, thinking of something like the the different Zareth Mortis mounts, they're all very different. They're like mechanical and and things like that. Like, or the yeah. old gyrocopter mount, right from TBC. Like, how does that fit into dragon riding? It really yeah. doesn't fit into dragon riding, and so they have a hard problem to solve here and it may be that not every mount ultimately gets dragon riding they didn't say this but yeah that's the implication yeah yeah um but it's cool that they're they've sort of you know like ian's basically coming out and say yeah we think this is also super cool and something we want to keep forward and i'd agree i mean dragon riding to me is the best new feature that wow's had in probably ever like since probably original flying was a thing um so yeah it was super cool um the other thing I wanted to touch on quick is, and something that is near and dear to my heart is they talked a little, there's a bunch, a bunch of questions around cross-faction guilds and like just cross-faction activities. Um, and I think one of the big things is that, that sort of Ian spent a little bit of time discussing was the technical challenges of this. I mean, like they basically have a base game that was built on having two factions that did not commingle. And so like untangling that for like, you know, all that code and all that stuff is, um is difficult on top of the idea that like in many cases people play there's still people who play warcraft because it's Fortnite versus alliance right and so they want to yeah. keep basically the cross-faction stuff to things that are opt-in meaning like opt-in to instances opt-in to guilds right opt-in to you know that sort of you know instance and like like um planned group content like it seems like right now like the um the queuing system which i think does do it today uh, or no, it doesn't. Sorry. Um, so like the the queued stuff is probably going to stay separate, um, and um, and stuff like that. But 
um, at least for like the 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 instance like find a group you know type content or like join a group type content um, like Mythic Plus or raids. Those will be cross faction. Yeah, um, and they said they're going to slowly. I mean, I think they're being very cautious about how they spread this out further into the game. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if like guilds might end up being like the limit for now, and like we sort of see like this feature sort of sit a little dormant after guilds go in. Um, yeah, I think the uh, there's a couple of interesting points that they you know mentioned for like world content, which would be the the like last thing that I would really care about. Like I don't care about being able to go into like Stormwind or whatever. Yeah. Um, as a horde player, I do not care at all. Um, but there's stuff like faction specific quest lines. So like, where's like, if I join a cross faction group for questing stuff, what happens? Right. It's not just, and so when you say quest lines, it's not just quest lines. It's also like phasing cross like faction specific phasing because the phasing is tied to faction specific quests. Um, and so there's a whole can of worms there. So I don't like on the one hand, it would be good to be able to do some world content stuff uh and cross-action group like thinking like the current soup event and stuff like that would be kind of nice um but honestly beyond that i don't know what i would do in a cross-action group like the main thing if i'm not like the main thing would be to be able to play a opposite faction character with a friend leveling but if questing is just like hard blocked on these faction specific quests um then that's just like dead in the water yeah exactly yeah so i mean we'll we'll see what they do with it but yeah i mean those are sort of the big thing and like like you said the instant stuff like the fact that like just a quick example like most um expansion introductory quests are very faction specific so it's like how do you handle that in a cross-faction group like does does the does the leader turn everybody to alliance right the leader's alliance you do just the alliance and trick ones um so yeah we'll see i mean they, they do have a little bit of a precedence with the whole idea of like cross-faction transfers like the idea that they do have a mapping of like what faction specific stuff becomes at other factions things but um yeah we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes um i didn't think there was anything too big with the rest of this there's a little bit of a story stuff we didn't cover but i think that's most of um from the the large group interview with ian and and um Shoot, what was the other gentleman's name? Uh, Josh. Um, there was a couple other interviews that uh, that came out. Um, there was one with Max did with Morgan, which of course I listened to because Morgan. Um, but again, nothing too big that came out of this one. I think uh, only I think other than what we haven't talked about today, um, Morgan did they did ask questions about UI updates, and Morgan did specifically talk a little about nameplates being a large discussion um the t which is yeah which is what we've talked about is like that's probably the in the current base ui probably the worst feeling portion of it is when you get tons of mobs on the screen and like how the nameplate nameplates work it's very difficult to identify specific mobs and all that fun stuff we've we've talked about so um, there is there is another thing in there about buff and debuff filtering and i think that this ultimately boils down to their system design because mm-hmm. back in BFA, I would have said that buffs and debuffs are like one of the things that needed to revamp the most because your your buff bar was just like full 
of these temporary Azerite buffs. And like, if you had different eye levels of Azerite, you might have multiple different copies of the buff at the same time for mm -hmm. a single Azerite trait and all this different stuff. And it was a mess. The buff bar was unusable. You had to have custom UI for it, or you just like couldn't play the game. You couldn't track your important like spec buffs, anything. You just, it was unusable. Um, the death of Azerite, the death of like the Soulbind system from Shadowlands was really bad about this too. Um, it has made it much more usable. Um, so now I am less like I feel the need for that less. I actually just right now use the base, um, like I have unit frames, but I use the base mm -hmm. action bars and base buff frames, and that is like mostly enough. And if there's there's certain things I have weak orders to track, right? Um, but uh, a lot of the time you can actually just use the buff frames, and that's a very significant improvement over the situation previously. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, the, the Max interview wasn't too groundbreaking in the questions that were asked. So um. I wanted to bring up uh, one thing which is relevant for tanks. Uh, the Onyx Analyte from uh, patch 10.0.7. Um, they oh, yeah. uh, are not planning to nerf it until at least 10.1.5, which means you probably oh. have like a couple months more of using it Maybe they nerf it in 10.15. Uh, currently, for tanks, you will just never replace it until next expansion if they don't nerf it. So um, it may not. It sounds like it may not be a forever ring for for tanks, but at least for right now, it is. <laughs> nice. Um, nice, yeah. Um so cool, yeah. That was the uh, that was the 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 Max interview. Um, Ian did another interview with a bunch of NA content creators, more again in a group setting. Um, I think the only highlight that I had, and I don't know if you had anything from this one, was just uh, there did ask a couple of questions about the new upgrade system, and I think the the main thing that that I took from it was that basically Blizzard wasn't happy with the fact that you could essentially spam low Mythic Plus. You get an item and then upgrade it all the way to max item level. Um, so the new system is basically meant to like correct that, where you have to do sort of appropriate level content to then upgrade the item to like the max it can be. Which means like if you're doing, you know, twos and threes, you can only upgrade an item you get in the level two so far, right? You won't yeah. be able to upgrade it to max. It'll definitely be short. I think you mentioned this. That's why you want to. You know, if you're min-maxing, you want to do level 17 keys. Yes. Um, because yeah. that'll drop an item where you can upgrade to the max from a Mythic Plus point of view. Yeah. Um, the, I don't know, like, I, I understand why they see it as a problem, and I kind of don't like it as, like, a way to get the item. Like, it, it's always, I've, I've been there and I've done that, of just spamming twos for an item yeah. when you just, like, have enough valor to upgrade it to the cap anyway. You might as well just do twos. Um it's not fun to do it that way. I don't like doing it that way. On okay. the other hand, we, this is a, a unfun negative interaction with the minus 10 to your keystone levels. Like you do your, your like, let's say you start off the season with a plus 10 key. Mm -hmm. You go in, you get exactly like you get your Krog Tusk out of your plus 10 underrot. Well, that's now capped at okay. eye level 334. And 
it's granted only seven eye levels off of cap so it's still very good Mm -hmm. but it didn't count for like actually getting the item you wanted and that kind of like i i think i don't know how to solve that but i think i think that issue is a very much a week one issue yeah right like once you once you get through that and you're and you're capable of doing say you're plus seventeen every week like next yeah. week you're gonna get a key that's plus seventeen right yeah um and so like you're not gonna run into that issue of like doing a dungeon that drops the item you want at a lower item level no you might still do that if you're helping a friend or a buddy or like right. if you're like yeah I'm helping a friend gear up so I'll do lower level keys but in my mind you're doing that not to get gear you're doing that to help to a help friend. somebody yeah yeah and so like. And- I Even think that's then, the, like, the difference, right? Yeah. Even then, right? We're talking about uh, the upgrade cap being like significantly closer to. Yeah. I actually, there's a graphic somewhere. I should pull up that graphic and check. So, like, champion gear caps at 337. I know that is correct. Um, but then hero gear caps at uh, 441. Yeah. Caps at 441. Uh, veteran gear which is the one below that caps at 424 Mm -hmm. so it's a much bigger gap so like if you get something from a uh a where is this uh yeah okay i guess you would have to go all the way down to a plus uh eight so you have to go pretty far down before you're capped at 424 so i don't know maybe it's fine like, yeah. maybe it's that's, fine. A, that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, like it's not, it's not as, I, I, I think the system is fine in terms of like adding in caps of like doing that. And like, the to your, like, I think where the frustration will come is like, if you're not doing the content that is your love, like a level appropriate yeah. to you and you get the item you want, right? Yeah. That's where the frustration is going to come in. And, but, and then like you, it's like saying like to me like the mythic plus example like if you if you move it into raid it's like oh i get the broodkeeper trinket i want but because i was doing lfr just because i was bored and yeah. now i now uh, great i get it on lfr so i can upgrade it all the way to mythic and be uh, like be fine like that to me feels yeah off, and i'm glad right? that you can't do that because then you end up in the situation like i'm glad that grinding twos is not the optimal way to get the item you want i'm glad that doing lfr and normal and heroic every week for you know your chance at the broodkeeper trinket is not the optimal way to do it um i don't know that there's a winning kind of like the the only winning move for that is honestly probably what the what they picked which is just to say no at some point there is a limit on how high you can go yeah exactly Um, yeah and just like at some point there's a limit um because i really would not want to be in a world where like oh i want this item from raid let me go and do lfr and normal and heroic god every week i would hate it i would hate it yeah yeah um but cool yeah so that was sort of the the big one out of that is that that's that's sort of what they're doing um they talked to there was a couple of questions on like changing the way that mythic raid lockouts work basically allowing for more pug mythic I don't, I like Blizzard's answer. Blizzard's basically like, no. Like, the idea of Mythic is Mythic is very much a, like, coordinated activity you do with a set group. And, you know, they don't want to, ha- they don't want it to have similar rules or similar ability, like, like, uh, LFR, or, sorry, like normal heroic, right? Normal heroic uh, is to be that sort of bug experience, so. I don't like this answer. Because <laughs> while 
the later bosses definitely fill that role that you just described. Mm-hmm. The earlier bosses don't. And there is just nothing more frustrating trying to do a mythic pug than like you get in a group and they can kill the first boss and then they just disband before they pull the second one. Yeah, right? and now that's your lockout, yeah. And then you're you're saved and you you're like you're not nobody's gonna join a one of eight mythic lockout. They're gonna join a zero of eight mythic lockout and go do the first boss for the loot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I and I, I can see that being an issue. I just, I, I have always liked the idea that, like, the from a PVE content perspective, like the max that you can do should be done with a consistent group of people, right? Like the, and I think the the main reason for that, and it's I don't know the the way that I the way that I sort of playing so much Destiny two in my mind is sort of like looking at the way other games treat it is like Destiny two treats it the, like. Like it does heroic, meaning like right. you can jump in a raid, do like two bosses, jump out, go back in and do those same two bosses with a different group. You don't get loot from it. Um, or right. I think you get you get lower item level loot is the equivalent there. Um but um but you can still like do the content again and again and again if you want, right? But the idea there is that the loot in that game is very much like a Diablo game where like you're right. trying to get it's random rolls, you're trying to get like your god roll or your good roll of right. like an item that you want. Or like with WoW, it's very like drops the drop, right? Like you could drop with a tertiary, which is different, but in general, it's always going to have the same stats on it, right? And so for me, like that's the, from my point of view, because that's there, the idea of like rerunning a boss or like not having a consistent group to go through it. I don't know. I have a weird connection with loot in that regard. Um, I just like, it's just really frustrating. Like you, knowing that you can do the first three bosses, Mm-hmm. And then not bothering because it sucks trying to pug it for systemic mm-hmm. reasons. Not like not like the players suck, not like the bosses suck, just like the lockout system is the blocker. Um, yeah. The lockout system is why I gave up trying to pug Mythic because it's just you put in a bunch of effort trying to get into a good group and they just disband. And yeah. now you're saved. I mean, you're, you're lockout screwed. Like, I just stopped bothering. Um yeah. That sucks. Like that shouldn't be the reason that I'm not doing those mythic runs. Now, this season we actually had a really good in guild um alt mythic. Uh mm-hmm. really good. We only ever did two bosses because we did the two bosses with very rare loot, and that meant that we nobody ever got any other like nobody wanted Taros or Sinarth loot, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So so we just did those two, and I think like every all in that run has the air dog ring and an icon. It's hilarious. Awesome. Um, that is awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> the um, I I don't like that answer. I like it almost feels like there's a point where they like there's a point in the instance like maybe you reach um, you know a certain depth into a wing like Kurog saves you Dathia saves you to use current boss examples and then beyond that it functions like or prior to that functions like heroic because like the first four really um this tier are like I wouldn't want to pug Sanarth but you could you totally could it would require a ton of effort to set up a competent group but you totally could yeah yeah 
No, I mean, I guess, I guess more, more option is always better. Like, I, I think that to that point, like being able to, to, to pug mythic like that is always better. It's just, yeah, I'm old and stubborn and I, old and crotchety. Yeah. I feel like, you know, mythic's mythic. Um, but no, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. If you did want to do the pug stuff, I, I think at that point for me, though, like personally, if I had an alt that I was like, I want to do mythic with, like it would be to find a group that basically to find like an alt field, right. Or like a, a group yeah. that is driven or led by the same person every week. And so you know yeah. that like they're going to get at least a, you know, a handful of things done. So yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the ideal. Um, yeah. That's the ideal, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't like that answer, sorry. but yeah. Uh, they also talked about the uh, health tuning. Uh, there was a question about the health tuning, about why that's happening again. Um, and so the answer that Ian gave is basically that the, kind of initial thing that they were looking at is the amount of survivability people were getting the amount of self-sustaining things like that people were getting from uh, or just the amount of uh let me see let me just uh read the read the quote um the 25 percent change in 10.1 is less about scaling and more about continuing to come to terms with the amount of throughput and survivability increases from the entire talent system so basically talent's too strong yeah um and so basically they they were looking like they did the 40 percent increase for dragonfly launch but uh quote what they saw from data is they should have done closer to a 66 percent increase which is more or less what we're getting now yeah which and they even say like 40 percent was a big number to them at the time so like yeah going to 66 percent off the initial one would have been yeah even scarier so yeah it's just like yeah just treat that tuning of health and damage increases just an extension of what they did in 10.0 is fair um uh they also said there are plans to balance defensiveness and survivability uh they don't want homogenization but they are aware that people get benched at times because even though their throughput is good they die like their class is just hunters okay hunters uh there's the the hunters hunters survivability bad kind of like meme but hunters actually have a ton of defensive cooldowns now they have it was, more yeah, than like, some tanks. Yeah, like Exil and Turtle. Yeah, Exil, and Turtle, uh, and like there's they, they have four cooldowns, yeah. four, um, and Exil has a ton of CDR. So like they're actually like in terms of burst damage, extremely good. Um, and that's kind of yeah. the same thing where like Mage, in terms like against a burst, they're great. Um, it's the sustain the rot damage. Uh-huh. that gets hunters yeah. that gets mages and so uh you see some fights um like kurog you can't right. just on kurog sit in turtle for or sit in ice block for 10 seconds um that's not effective you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to die to the rot damage on that fight and there's very little that you can do about it other than just like chaining cooldowns which you can do on that fight because there's no other damage going out like you yeah. you when you get to something that has rot damage plus burst damage where you can't use your cooldowns or both uh like hunters are a bad example because hunters are just like hunters haven't made right now but um but uh some other classes like historically retribution paladin has been really bad in yeah. this regard they had bubble and they had um shield of vengeance and Shield of Vengeance is a DPS button, very much like Windwalker with Karma. 
Uh, yeah. Windwalker is doing better because Windwalker now has access to expel harm for some self-sustain, free vivifies for some self-sustain, um, free instant vivifies, and also having karma, dampen harm, diffuse magic, and fort brew. So like, there's like a lot more that they have access to now. Right. Yeah. Um, versus how it used to be. And I haven't played Retribution Paladin since the rework. I assume it's better now. But there's still a lot of inequality between like the classes with a lot of innate tankiness, like a warlock, and uh, the classes that don't have that. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's good that they're taking a look at that, and maybe we'll see. We'll see some changes there. So, um, Cool. I don't know if there's anything else on the NA content creator interview you wanted to bring up. I think we've talked about most of it. Um, the EU one just had one thing that I wanted to sort of touch on, which was actually the, the trading card game mounts. So like somebody asked a question about like with the the initial trading post um, mount was like one of the first uh store mounts that blizzard had ever released they they sort of allowed you to, to get it essentially for free by playing the game so people were wondering like will some other like promotional type mounts come back through the trading post and basically the answer was potentially but they'll be very careful about it uh, and i think the idea is like there are, there are certain items and mounts out there that hold a sort of like reverence within the community i'll say um and so like putting them on the trading post would sort of diminish that. And also, I mean, to be fair, like it would sort of probably piss a bunch of people off. And so the main one that people always bring up is the Swift Spectral Tiger. This is a trading card game mount that um, I have seen at its peak sell for like thousands of dollars. Like I think yeah. I saw one on eBay once that went for like $1,200 or something ridiculous. And so um, that is people will spend a lot of money just because this one is is pretty rare. And so the idea is like, that should never come back. Like that should be a trading card game thing. If you got it, great. If you don't got it, not a huge deal, right? Um, but yeah, yeah so the, the ones we've had so far from the TCG are the more like B list TCG mounts, right? Yeah. The the ones that were technically TCG mounts and they had some value due to their scarcity, but mm-hmm. nobody really like the dragon mount that was the first TCG mount to come back as a Twitch drop. Um, yeah. I couldn't have told you that was a TCG mount. Like Swift Spectral Tiger, the like chicken mount, like those I know. Yeah. That one, like that's a that's a like a C list mount, to be honest. Exactly. Um yeah. it's it's not one of the big popular ones. So like making those available is fine. I I am like it's a delicate thing to balance. I would say I hope that they don't make the same mistake as like wizards of the coast and their handling of uh, magic the gathering where a bunch of the old cards are unobtainable at this point because of uh the fact that they won't re-release them um they've yeah. said that we're never re-releasing these and so they just like command really like um individual fetch or not fetch lands individual uh dual lands that you need multiples of are in the in the like thousand dollar plus range for some of the colors because oh, of that's crazy because yeah. of uh that they won't reprint them and there aren't that many of them left anymore uh and people want them to play with um yeah. now mounts uh amounts amount 
they're all functionally the same. So that's a little bit different. And I'm more okay with it. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. They are functional. All mounts no. are functionally the same. They got you got style and you got grace on a mount, man. Like their mounts are different. Like it doesn't, you know, you gotta look good. You know? From a from a <laughs> gameplay perspective, um, like uh, mounts are all functionally the same. Like something on the Swiss Spectral Tiger is not actually faster than I somebody I, do you, on a do regular. Do you know that for a fact though? Have you done I do, the math? I have I ha- I I have done the math. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Um, fair enough, fair enough. But fair enough. Uh, so like I'm more okay if they say like okay you know Swift Spectral Tiger that's probably never coming back yeah or at least if it does it's going to be like hard to get rare you know something like that I'm more okay with but I, I would I am hoping like Ian didn't commit to it never ever coming back Uh huh. he said he would be surprised to see it come back which yeah. is not never but not likely so I, I hope that they don't like commit to it because yeah. at some point it would be like at some point there will be no more copies of it available. There will actually physically be no more copies of the Swift Spectral Tiger. They will all be attached to an account somewhere. And yeah, exactly. Then at that point, what like what do you do? Yeah, no, that's I mean that's fair. So, um, but no, it, was, it was interesting to hear that come up. Um, sorry, There's did you have also, anything? They talked a little bit about profession updates in the EU uh, interview, um, specifically that they were vague about what that entails, which Mm -hmm. they were. Um, And so basically right now, um, the only profession updates for 10.1, there's a handful of new crafted items, new embellished items, basically. Um, And like there's the file cauldron, which is a huge quality of life thing. Um, but nothing like there's no new skill trees, anything like that. All your new, not even like new caps for the skill trees, nothing like that. Um, it's much more like horizontal progression, which personally Uh I like, um, it's going to give me a chance to max out my, my leatherworking. Um, but from the sounds of it, that's intentional. Like the, the exact quote that I think is interesting is that they don't want to quote, uh, add more depth or complexity as, the system is already complex, which is definitely true. And there are catch-up concerns if they add more. Um, they want professions to stay relevant each tier, um, which they are succeeding at thus far. Because yeah. everybody, like we literally talked about it earlier on this show, unprompted, like crafted, like what are you crafting? Exactly. Um, yeah. There is also uh, another teaser. Uh, a couple of things regarding professions that will be on the 10.1.5 PTR. Yeah. We'll see what those uh, are. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Or, well, um, okay. The, the haven't been, the, the, the quote is like, haven't been seen on the P, on the PTR, which yeah. it, to me means that like, it's, it's on the 10.1.5 PTR. Cause it just hasn't been seen on the 10.1 PTR. Uh, yeah. But it could actually be in the live game. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, I think the only, I mean, I know we're coming up at time too. There wasn't really much remaining. They did go again, talked a little bit about communication in this interview too. Much the same what they said. It's just like they want to be more open, transparent, and hopefully the community respects that and doesn't hold their feet to the fire. If they say something's going to happen and it doesn't, which I yeah. think, we, think we're pretty good about that. Um, cool. Um, 
the only final point that I think we can wrap up is, of course, if you haven't seen it, um, both Method and Echo have announced their World First events. I will say go and check out the Echo trailer. I'm a little biased because Preheat, who I used to raid with, uh, is now the media manager over there. He did that trailer. So I'm biased. I think it's absolutely amazing. But like, they need to hire him to do raid previews because like the cinematic nature of this trailer for the Echo Race for World First event is like, it's really good. Just go check it out. Even if you're not rooting for Echo, nice. which I'm not because, you know, I'm all in on NA. But um, <laughs> the their, that, that trailer is super cool for their event. Um, but yeah, Method and Echo both announced theirs. They're doing, they're doing some live stuff. Um, and I'm assuming Liquid's doing something somewhere. But I haven't seen anything come out other than they're paying people to run splits with them again. So if you want some free gold and have some characters, run some splits next week. <laughs> so or in two weeks, but yeah. Or two weeks, sorry. Yeah, two weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. That's it then. That is going to be it for the show today. Uh, thank you all for watching and or listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to 10.1, just a couple yes. of days. Um, and yeah, that's going to be it for the show. I'm keeping things brief because I actually have a sore throat and my throat is killing me. So I'm going to go not talk for a few hours and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.